Good morning and welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel today is from the 13th chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it. But he did not find any, and so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it be used up? And why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Let it be alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The Gospel of our Lord. Invite you to uh, pray the Holy Spirit prayer with me and uh, come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. To ask the question why, to ask the question why is to be human. We've all done it at some time or other throughout our lives. The likelihood is that uh, you and I are probably asking that very question right now, considering all that is going on in the world. I mean, let alone what's happening in Ukraine. I was thinking the other day as I read something or saw something on the news, or I guess it was in the paper, I was read about an auto accident that happened earlier this week in Texas where a 13-year-old boy, now it's pretty common, I believe, in Texas to allow a 13-year-old to drive. I mean, as far as I know, I think 13-year-old kids can drive in South Dakota and North Dakota, especially if you're a farm kid. This 13-year-old boy was driving a pickup along with an adult passenger, and the front tire blew out, and obviously the 13-year-old was not able to control what happened when the truck took that veer and it swerved to the center of the road, hitting an oncoming van that was full of college golf team. Seven people were killed in that head-on collision this week. And I'm sure that as we read that article, we ask ourselves, why? We want to make sense out of things. It's part of what we do. It's part of the way we're wired as human beings. We we are logical, common sense creatures that want to make sense out of things. And it was very much also one of the common ways of thinking back during the time of Jesus. It was not unusual for people to have this cause and effect mindset. And that's the context in which we have this uh, interaction today with Jesus and these people that he's having conversations with. And yet Jesus, Jesus appears to be discouraging us from asking why. Because more often than not, asking why does not come with very many satisfactory answers. Most of the time, 
the why question is left unanswered. But Jesus has a different response. He calls upon us to repent. Now, repentance has a lot of implications. Um, You know, I think in years past, I've preached about repentance as being kind of this 180-degree turn to return and look to God and to look to Jesus. And in in a very much a sense, that that is what repentance is. But I have appreciated uh, what Matt Skinner, he's a professor of New Testament at uh, Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. I appreciate what Matt Skinner wrote about repentance. He says that repentance, he says it's more about discovery and rediscovery of who God is and what God's will is for you. He goes on, he says, it's one beautiful opportunity. Repentance is one beautiful opportunity to rediscover who you really are. Rediscover who God really is, and that that is both a that can also that can be both a painful experience, and yet it can also be a positive healing and restorative experience all at the same time. Another one of my favorite authors, Deb Thomas, also suggests something along the same lines. She says that Jesus he act, he's actually more interested in helping us ask better questions. Jesus is actually more interested in having us ask better questions. He's helping us to ask wiser, deeper, and truer questions. Questions that expand possibilities and resist fear, she says. Jesus not only responds to their question with a call to repentance, but he also responds to them by giving them something else to ponder, and it's a parable. And we all know this parable. It's short and sweet. We've heard it hundreds of times before. A land baron, I suppose you could recall, referred to as a landowner, uh, comes into his um, orchard, sees this fruit tree, this fig tree that has not been producing fruit, has not yet produced fruit for three years. And he instructs the gardener to cut the fig tree down. And the gardener, he pleads with the owner and he asks for him to give him an opportunity one more year to nurture and to care for the tree and to give it another chance. You know, from an earthly perspective, let's look at this momentarily from an earthly perspective, resources are limited. We know that water is a precious commodity. We know that water is a precious resource. How many of you read the headlines in the paper just three days ago? Lake Powell has met historic lows. Lake Powell has never been this low except for when when the dam was first built. We here in Lake Havasu City, we know how precious water is. It makes sense that this landowner would want to see this unfruitful tree cut down, if for no other reason, to save on the resource of water alone. I've been told, I did a little, I did a little research, a young fig tree that's just starting off, they, they estimate that it takes about 10 gallons of water a week for a fig tree, a young fig tree. If it's an older, more mature fig tree, it could take in excess of 50 gallons a week. Well, when water is scarce, why would you want to waste water on a fig tree and put 50 gallons of water on a fig tree when it hasn't produced fruit for three years? I wonder if Jesus' call for repentance and the telling of this parable has something to do with a call to rediscover the nature of God. I think this parable says a whole lot about God's ability to love and to nourish and to nurture. The love of God is limitless. God's love is a well that runs deep. I think we take these parables too literally sometimes and we see them within the framework of time. And we know from Scripture that God's ways, that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, I mean, I think there's a part of 
as I read into this parable today, I think that God has a much more expansive view of what this parable really means than what, than what you and I really get out of it. What is it that we just heard read from Isaiah 55? Out of the voice of the prophet Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. When I think about this parable, I see a gardener, or I see a Jesus figure, who says, let me have another go at this fig tree. Let me have another go. Let me tend, let me nourish it. And let me tend it and nourish it for as long as it takes. For as long as it takes. Because my resources and my ability to nourish and to feed this tree is unlimited. I think Jesus is saying that my concept of time is also beyond what our concept of time is. I think when Jesus says, let me have another year, what is a year in the life of God? What is a year in the life of God? I think the, a year in the life of God is, 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 in a, is, is eternity. And I think that's what God is saying. God is saying, I will try and tend and nourish this unfruitful tree as long as it takes. The God that I have come to know, I'm only speaking personally about myself now, but the God that I have come to know and trust in and put my very life and my very existence in is a God who continually keeps drawing me back. Who keeps saying to me day in and day out and day in and day out, I love you, I forgive you time and time again. My love for you is unconditional. That is the God and the Jesus that I have come to know. I don't know about you. And I hear God and I hear Jesus saying that I will walk with you in your moments of asking why. In your times of frustration, in your times of doubt, in your times of lament. He is continually calling us back to repent. To turn towards God and to look upon Jesus and to be reminded of the ways of God through the life of Jesus, a life of unconditional love. To time and time again, to rediscover God, as Matt Skinner says. The God that I have come to know is a God in the person of Jesus Christ who continually is nurturing and nourishing me. In light of this discovery and rediscovery of who God is, who loves us, and who nourishes us even in the midst of all the hard times and all of these unexplainable realities of life. I like what Deb Thomas writes. And she is heralding, she is heralding what Jesus might be saying to us within the context of the why in our lives. She says, in the midst of the why, Jesus is saying to us, be love. In the midst of all of that crazy unexplainable realities of life, be love. Be the presence of God in the midst of the why. She says, go and weep with someone who's weeping. Go and fight for justice that you long to see. Go and confront evil where it needs to be confronted. Go and learn the art of patient, hope-filled tending. Go in the midst of all of this stuff that's unexplainable in life, go and be love and go, she says, and cultivate beautiful things. Go and look upon your own sin, look your own sin in the eye and repent of it while you can. Hmm. That's powerful stuff. I love this phrase, go cultivate beautiful things. I'm reminded of the words of the poet Jan Richardson 
who in one of her poems, one of the phrases that just kind of sticks out like, ah, when you hear it, you just kind of go, ah. In this poem, the phrase, do you not know what the Holy Spirit can do with dust? Do you not know what the Holy Spirit can do with dust? That's when our hearts are opened up and as we surrender to Christ each day and we say, I can't, but with you I can. I'm reminded of the words of the song that I quoted just a couple weeks ago, Gunger. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of dust. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of us. And I think that's what Jesus is encouraging us to do when he calls upon us to repent is that in the midst of all of this uncertainty and all these unexplainable things that happen in the world, in the midst of it all, be love. Discover what life really is all about. Life is all about unconditional love. And it's more about not asking why, but it's actually more about discovering the why of life. Why life? Why The, the why of my existence is what we really need to be asking Why do I live? Why do I have breath in my being? Why do I have this opportunity to do and be the things that I can be in this world? I want to end today by sharing with you an even more powerful perspective on why. One of my closest friends in my life, Luther Wright, I've spoken of him before. He died of liver cancer at the age of 44 back in 2004. It's hard to believe that coming up this summer it's going to be 18 years that my good friend Luther has been gone. Can you imagine what it must be like at the age of 42 to discover that you've got terminal cancer and that you may have two years to live? You would naturally be asking the question, wouldn't you, why? Why me? I'm in the prime of my life. I have a wife and two young children that I am going to miss out on the opportunity of raising and loving and seeing them grow into maturity in life. Why? But as he reflected upon his life and the question of why, my friend Luther, and it took a while, as it would all of us, I'm sure, He learned to ask the deeper question, the wiser question. And as he looked at Jesus, as he looked at Jesus, the Lord and Savior of his life, his why, his why was no longer a question. His why became a mission statement. And this is the mission statement that he wrote He says, the why of my life, by definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is unconditional love. The who's for my life, by definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the other human beings who are my sisters and brothers in the one family of God, and myself. They are the who's. Those three, unconditional love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of my brothers and sisters, and myself. All three of them, not in a competitive hierarchy, but in a round circle dance of love. 
where there is no beginning and that there is no begin there's no beginning and there's no end there's no first and there's no last there is just love 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 and it is knowing the why and the who's for life which will determine the faith hope and love attitude with which I will choose to deal with the what's and the how's and the where's of my life. In other words, what he's saying is, it's because I know the why of my life, I can deal with all of this unexplainable what's and how's and where's in life that keep being thrown at me. It's because I know the why, and the why is unconditional love. That is my purpose for living on this earth. The why and the who's for life are by definition of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The why and the who's of life, they are eternal, they are permanent, they are changeless, they are unconditional, they are uncircumstantial, they are essential, they are non-negotiable, and the what's and the how's and the where's of my life All of those things, by definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ, those things, they are temporal, they are transitory, they are changing, they are conditional, they are circumstantial, they are non-essential. And then he concludes with this. He says, trusting only Jesus always. He says, I pledge to God and to my, my you, my loving family, I will delight I will delight in each one of you as we get to fulfill the one why of life with one another within our circle of love, no matter the what's or the how's or the where has. Wow. That is absolutely profound. He no longer asks the question, why? Why is this happening to me, Lord? Why am I going to die of this liver cancer? Rather, he found a purpose in life, and his purpose in life was to say, my purpose, while I still have breath in my being, is to love with every ounce of being that I've got within me. The why of life is a mission statement. The why of life is unconditional love. And we get to fulfill the one why of life with one another within the circle of love, no matter what the whys or the hows or the wheres that are to come to us outside of that circle. Amen. I invite you to pray with me now the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.